0: Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, day 95 of the war with Hamas. Amanda Borchel-Dan here with our military reporter, Emmanuel Fabian, for an in-depth one-on-one. Hi, Manny. Hi, Amanda. Manny was inside the Gaza Strip yesterday and will report back on, quote, a terror stronghold of weapons productions in the largest rocket manufacturing plant found so far in the Strip. We will hear about developments along Israel's northern border and what IDF spokesman Daniel Hagari means when he says that the operation in Gaza has shifted a stage. All this and much more when we're back.
1: Do you or your clients have a commercial collection matter that's going nowhere? The Sarachuk Law Firm specializes in the most challenging collection matters, whether it is a single matter or a portfolio of cases. They are based in New York with relationships around the world. Sarachuk's proprietary databases and tried and proven methods have earned them an unmatched reputation for success in getting their clients what they're owed. They work on a contingency fee basis so they're only compensated when they succeed.
0: U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken landed in Israel last night. He has already met with several officials, including President Isaac Herzog, who censured South Africa for bringing a case alleging Israel is prosecuting the war with Hamas with genocidal intent. The case is due to begin hearings on Thursday. Herzog thanked Washington for its support of Israel. A high level Israeli delegation arrived in Cairo last night for talks on releasing hostages held by Hamas, according to an Egyptian newspaper. The development indicates that indirect talks are back on track after the assassination of senior Hamas leader Saleh al Arouri in Lebanon last week in a strike widely attributed. To Israel, but Israel has not yet commented. Here in Israel, the conflict has turned up its volume on the northern border since that targeted killing in Lebanon. And yesterday, perhaps adding fuel to the fire, Wissam al Tawil, a senior commander of a secretive Hezbollah force, was killed in an alleged Israeli strike in southern Lebanon. So, Manny, what are we seeing along the border today? this morning we've seen uh, a new hezbollah attack
2: on uh, northern israel hezbollah has uh, claimed to have targeted the uh, israeli army's northern command headquarters which is in sfat uh, northern israeli city uh, it claimed to have attacked the the base with a number of explosive drones uh, we don't know yet whether or not damage uh, was c- causing this attack but this is hezbollah's claim so far it says that this was uh, a response both to the alleged assassination of uh, Aruri in Beirut a week ago, and also this other targeting of Tawil, a senior commander in the in Hezbollah's uh, Radwan force, which is the uh, terror group's elite uh, forces.
0: What would he have been in charge of, Manny?
2: According to Hezbollah, he was uh, actually the one leading the cross-border attacks that have been taking place since uh, October 8th. Uh, The daily rocket drone uh, anti-tank missile attacks, uh, more than a thousand munitions have been fired across the border Uh, and according to Hezbollah uh, sources, he was the one leading these attacks Uh, and we know that this commander was uh, relatively senior. He was said to have close ties with uh, Iran's uh, Qasem Soleimani the former Quds Force commander who was killed in 2020 um, according to Hezbollah he was uh, part of the team that led the cross-border attack in 2006 killing and capturing two Israeli soldiers which we know led to the um, uh, the 2006 uh, Lebanon War um, and he has uh, played a very significant role in in other uh, attacks over the years uh, so we're talking about a relatively senior Uh, field commander um, who has been killed. Um, Israel has not also claimed responsibility uh, for this uh, strike. The army uh, said that fighter jets struck uh, various Hezbollah positions and uh, sites where the uh, terror group's members were operating, but did not uh, uh, mention uh, Tawil specifically.
0: So far, the retaliation from Hezbollah has Obviously, not led to another all-out war, but we've seen some damage also on Mount Meron, where the Israel Defense Forces has a sensitive air traffic control base. What do you know about this as well? So, on uh, Saturday, um,
2: we reported that there was a very large rocket barrage and missile attack on Mount Meron, which is about eight kilometers from the Lebanon border. And we can we can now say that this this strike, which involved something around forty rockets and several more missiles, uh, several of these missiles uh, did damage the base where uh, on top of the mountain, which is a uh, an air traffic control base, uh, it's a relatively sensitive uh, site, uh, which is why it took the army uh, about a day to acknowledge what had happened there. Uh, in videos published by Hezbollah, and um, what they're claiming is that. Um, they fired at least two missiles which hit uh, the radar domes on the base. This is uh, footage we can see in the Hezbollah video. Uh, the army has not elaborated on the damage, but it, it has said that it has other systems to uh, to run off as backup and um, that the damage that was caused is uh, fixable. It, is, it will be repaired uh, soon. So um, the, the unit is still operating. There's, there's no fear that... Israel is not able to, um, for the Israeli air force to monitor what is going on in the skies due to this attack. But it is still a significant uh, strike on on Israeli uh, assets, on military assets. Um, We know that in response, the army carried out quite a wide range of uh, strikes on Hezbollah. um, But most notably was uh, two strikes very deep into Lebanon on. Uh, sites that the army said were used by Hezbollah's uh, anti-aircraft unit, uh, so likely a, a site where they stored anti-aircraft missiles, and another site where they maybe had some other technology in relating to this to the anti-aircraft capabilities that Hezbollah has. And these two sites were um, uh, destroyed by uh, Israeli fighter jets and strikes.
0: So far. The drones that entered or allegedly or apparently entered uh, Israeli space today haven't caused damage, we're, we're saying pretty securely, but they're flying over communities that, as far as I know, have not been evacuated. Is there any talk about stepping up the evacuation in the north in light of this, uh, shall we say, escalation of conflicts since last week? I don't think there are
2: any plans to further uh, evacuate civilians. These drones, um, which can actually get a bit further than than what Hezbollah is normally carrying out, we do know that so far the targets that they're attempting to hit further away are, are really military targets. We're talking about the, the Miran base and the northern command base in Sfat, which they tried to attack today. Uh, these are um, military targets, and at least Israel believes that Hezbollah's response to these alleged assassinations is um, is being um, limited to trying to target Israeli military sites. We know that Hezbollah have attacked civilians. That's It's obviously not out of the question that they'll attack civilians in the future as well. Um, but when it comes to a, a more significant response from Hezbollah to these alleged assassinations, they are still being limited to uh, targeting IDF sites instead of, uh, for example, launching a rocket barrage at an Israeli city further away from the border.
0: Okay, let's go to a short break and then discuss Gaza.
1: The world we live in isn't perfect, but it doesn't get better on its own. That's where the work of activists comes in. Whether it's environmental justice, animal rights, or disability advocacy, there are people all around the world striving to make it a better place. That's where All About Change comes in. Host Jay Ruderman talks with activists about how they do what they do and what inspires them to keep going. Because activism is all about change. Listen to All About Change wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we The IDF said this morning that it is further expanding ground operations in Khan Yunus, fighting Hamas deep within the southern Gaza city. However, at the same time, we're hearing from IDF spokesperson Daniel Hagari that there is a shift in the military campaign against the Hamas terror group, and we're moving from intense battles to more targeted operations. So how does this add up? I think Hagari was maybe slightly misunderstood
2: and I'm siding with him here, and he did try to explain this later, and his remarks of, of reducing the number of troops, is something that's already been carried out, and shifting into a new phase, is basically what the army is doing already in northern Gaza, where Hamas is largely defeated, and now the, the army is carrying out smaller special operations in the area, and targeting the last uh, remaining Hamas fighters, and locating the last rocket caches, and just carrying out clear-up operations which, which don't require uh, entire divisions maneuvering through the territory. In central Gaza and in southern Gaza, things remain the same. There are still, there's still intensive fighting going on in both of those areas. Uh, in the Khan Yunis area, in the so-called central camps in central Gaza, there's still very intensive fighting, and that isn't going to change uh, yet. Once Israel captures the ground and defeats the Hamas uh, battalions that are In those areas, then also there will we will see a transition to a lower intensity fighting. So the comments seem like Israel shifted its entire fighting in Gaza to lower intensity, but I do not believe that is the case. Uh, And I think Gallant as well uh, also clarified this. He spoke to the Wall Street Journal and said similar remarks, saying that Israel was changing into a, a different phase, but. He also issued a clarification that it would happen soon and it not yet happened, and it was only in northern Gaza. So I think it's it's we need to be careful and and not not presume that the fighting is now uh, ended and that things are calming down. We know that uh, even yesterday there were several soldiers killed in Gaza um, in the south and in central Gaza in in various uh, incidents. So there is still fighting going on.
0: Okay. Yesterday you were in central Gaza. I believe that's your first time in central Gaza where the Hamas terror group is manufacturing or had manufactured its long range rockets that were used to attack Israeli cities over the recent years. So what did you see, first of all, going into Gaza? What, what's happening on the ground that you saw? Uh, I was in, yes, I was in central Gaza for the first
2: time. Uh, I had been in northern Gaza uh, six, uh, six or seven times before that. So this was my first time in central Gaza. The fighting there is very intense. There is constant explosions and airstrikes and tank fire uh, going on in the area. The The area I was in, Al-Burij, um, is, is a very densely packed area lots of close homes and buildings different a a little bit different to the way gaza city looks which has more taller uh, buildings and a little bit more wider spread apart Uh, so the fighting there has been very difficult um, for for the army um, because of the way uh, hamas has basically arranged its uh, defenses in the area against israel but uh, over the past uh, about two weeks The army has progressed significantly in the area and has uh, basically control of most of Burej and is now moving into the other um, um, camps of central Gaza. There's Nusirat, um, uh, Al-Marazi and uh, Dir al balah as well, which the army will soon also reach.
0: Are there people still living there, Manny? Are there civilians still living in these areas? No, there's no civilians
2: in these areas. The army issued evacuation warnings before it began to move into the area. Uh, some civilians, they, the soldiers did encounter. They were detained, they were questioned. Uh, those who were affiliated or are members of Hamas were, were were taken for interrogation. The rest were released and told to to move down to southern Gaza. So while we were there, we did not see any civilians and the army said that uh, recently they had not seen any civilians as most of them had uh, already um, evacuated. And that is um, a pattern we've seen across all of Gaza. So some people remain, but they eventually do uh, get cleared out or they are detained.
0: Okay, so you were taken very near the what we've been calling the humanitarian corridor and the army found there several factories, shall we say, for, for making these rockets. So what did you actually witness? So really on, right on the road, on Salahuddin, on
2: both sides of the road, uh, Hamas uh, built itself essentially an industrial zone uh, of, for, for rocket manufacturing. Uh, we were able to tour a few of the facilities, some of them had already been demolished, some were a bit too dangerous to get to uh, while we were there, but there was basically a, a sort of a, a, a chain production of multiple uh, factories that Hamas used to basically build uh, its rockets. The first site we were able to see was this um, very unremarkable building. We We reached and uh, inside there was a waiting area with the couches and a bathroom and a coffee station. It looks like any sort of waiting area, but in the room next door there's a a staircase leading down to a tunnel, and this tunnel, um, which we were able to go inside a little bit to see, uh, led to a underground chemicals lab where Hamas was manufacturing explosives and rocket engines and fuel uh, for the propulsion of the of the rocket, so that they can actually uh, fly into Israel, and this tunnel network also connects to about a dozen other tunnels, uh, tunnel entrances that they found all around this area, and they connect to the various uh, facilities. So that was the first site, and the uh, the second site uh, we saw was a sort of a warehouse, and it had um, these. Lathes and other heavy machinery that Hamas was uh, using to uh, manufacture the the bodies of the rockets. So the tube itself, where the um, where the fuel and the rocket engine goes into, and on top of it, where the warhead is connected to. And uh, this this it was a very very large warehouse that had multiple machinery. There was also machines that were being used to um, to build mortars as well. There were several mortar bodies that were in this area. Uh, also to manufacture explosive devices Uh, and there was also a um, a tunnel network beneath this warehouse there was an elevator uh, going down and according to the army the um, hamas used this elevator and the tunnel network beneath it to again connect between these different facilities and distribute their weapons across gaza and then the last site was uh, actually a storage site for the fully built rocket so after the fuel and the body had been put together and after the warhead had been attached it was this uh, structure and, and inside there were multiple long-range rockets uh, rockets uh, we're talking about ones with 120 kilometers of range enough to reach all of central Israel uh, they were stacked uh, inside but right next to these this stack of uh, about a dozen rockets uh, was a very large tunnel entrance uh, to a, a not like your usual arch where you walk in like a door, but um, a very um, long rectangular hole in the ground. And according to the army, Hamas used uh, either a crane or or multiple people to basically lower these long rockets down underground and then store them beneath the ground so they are uh, protected from a potential Israeli airstrike. So this tunnel went down very, very deep and inside um many more long range rockets were being uh, stored there by Hamas and so really across about uh, a kilometer and a half both uh, above the um Salahuddin road and beneath it Hamas had established this uh, um massive rocket manufacturing uh, facility and according to the army it is the largest one they found so far and it might be uh, the largest one uh, in Gaza um that Hamas had
0: But it's quite evident that they have several other smaller facilities and indeed still have production happening because we're still seeing rockets fly out of Gaza, not at the rate that we had, obviously, at the beginning of the war. So what is being done to prevent that specifically? I'm not entirely sure Hamas is still producing rockets
2: during the war but they do have stockpiles and the army has warned that even though they control the ground and even though they've largely defeated Hamas in northern Gaza and and moving to do so both in the centre and the south uh, there still will be rocket attacks uh, on Israel with uh, the remaining um, uh, supplies that they still have the remaining rockets they still believe to have some rockets. Um, and they can still fire them, it doesn't take much to quickly plant the rocket and and, and set it off. The army is working uh, very thoroughly to try and locate every single uh, rocket launch site and every single cache of rockets and all their facilities, but it is, uh, I I would say, impossible to to track down every last rocket. It's really a difficult task, so there may still be rockets, but taking away this facility, uh, is very important because um, if uh, Israel at one point finishes its war in Gaza and leaves, Hamas or any other terror group that may exist there in the future um, won't have the the ability to quickly rebuild. Um, and taking away this, this is a very strategic asset for Hamas, so taking away this ability for them to uh, manufacture or mass-produce rockets Is very important. There may still be smaller sites. There may be a few Hamas members building a rocket here. It's something that could happen. But taking away their their big facility is very important.
0: And what are the army's plans for this facility now? They blew it up. (laughs) No
2: joke. Um, uh, We were there uh, in the afternoon. And by the evening, they had uh, destroyed most of these facilities. They're working to destroy other uh, the other ones over the next couple of days. Uh, it's difficult because of the way they are built. So some of them are deep underground, and uh, it's not so simple to just uh, to just blow it up. They need to actually enter and uh, map it out correctly and destroy it in a way where Hamas will indeed never be able to use it again.
0: Many, thank you so much for these updates. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's Daily Briefing. Please check out another episode tomorrow. This installment was produced by The Podwaves. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, please send us an email to podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, shalom.